Luke 12, verse 13, says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain man yielded an abundance harvest, abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus gains, grains. And I say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with whosoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Good morning. It's good to see you all here. Uh, it is springtime. It is uh, the season for spring cleaning. And I'm pretty sure you guys have done a lot of that. It is also the season for floods, right? And pretty soon here, it's going to be the season for garage sales. How many of you guys here like garage sailing? I see a lot of hands up. Garage sailing is a very good sport. And we engage in that. You know what? There's a lot of good garage sale stories out there that talk about how someone got a really good deal or a really good find in a garage sale. But there's this one garage sale story that tops all of them, in my opinion. And this garage sale story is from New York. If there's a family in New York six years ago who went into a garage sale and they saw an item there, a bowl that had a mark on it, said $3. So they bought this bowl, and this bowl sat on the mantle of their living room for a long time, for, for a few years at least, until one day they said, well, this bowl is so nice. Like, we need to know where it came from. So they looked it up. So they took this bowl. This is the bowl that they paid for $3 for. They took this bowl to an auction house, Sotheby's of New York, and Sotheby's said, well, this is a rare bowl. This is a, a rare Chinese bowl from the Northern Song Dynasty. There's only one of, this, one of its kind in the world today in existence. And it's in the British National Museum, and they've had it for 60 years. And now this thing came up. So they thought, you know what, let's auction it. So they auctioned it. Remember, this was bought for $3. You know how much it fetched at the auction? There's an article in the New York Times in 2013 that had this. It sold for $2,225,000. Now, when we hear stories like this, we say, no, 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 my, my garage sale story is junk. I can't tell that anymore because there's this story. When we hear stories like this, there's a lot of questions that flood our minds, right? But the one question that I have is for the people who originally owned this bowl. My question simply is, what are you thinking? Or what are you not thinking? See, the answer to that question is very simple. The reason why the original owners sold this bowl for $3 at a garage sale was simply because they failed to appreciate the value 
of the bowl. You know, as individuals, as people, we place value on everything around us. But unfortunately, like this story here, many people, including Christians, place value on things that are not really that valuable. And at the same time, undervalue things that are extremely valuable. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the most valuable thing that you have, that I have, is our souls. You know, this is a very important lesson for us today because Jesus, in Mark 8.32, told us the value of one soul. He said in that verse, For what will it profit a man, you guys know the verse, if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? One soul is way more than all of the cars, all of the houses, all of the money, all of the riches in the whole entire world. But sometimes we fail to realize that. And we put more value on things than our own souls. And this morning, we're going to talk about our souls and the value of our souls through the parable of the rich fool. This is the last sermon in our sermon series called Parables of Jesus. You know, it's, it's an important uh, parable. Uh, you, you, you've heard about the parable of um, the Good Samaritan. A lot of people say that that is a, the practical parable. But many people say that this parable is the essential parable. Why? Because it deals with something that we see everywhere that's not good. It deals with something called greed or covetousness. And Jesus said the, the reason why he told this parable was because he wanted to teach people about greed, about covetousness. Covetousness is simply the insatiable drive for people towards wealth or towards gain. It's important for us today because, you know, there's a lot of sins in this world that we frown upon, like murder or adultery or stealing. But when we see covetousness or greed, we don't bat an eye. You know why? Because we substitute something for it. We see it as strength. We see it as, oh, that person is a go-getter. Right? That person is just successful. But then it is greed or covetousness. That's why it's important for us to talk about it today. And this morning, in the parable of the rich fool, I'm going to talk to you about three things that made this person a fool. Three things that he did wrong that we need to remind ourselves of that we need to put aside and replace with something good so that we can take care of our own souls, so that we can put our possessions around us in the proper godly perspective that it needs to have in our lives, including our jobs, our hobbies, the money that we have in the bank, our families, our houses, our cars, and so on and so forth. So let's start. The first thing that I want to talk to you about is found in verses, in the first few verses, in verses 16 and, 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 uh, to 18 in Luke 12. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. See, um, in life, that happens to, to all of us. In life, you know, we, we, God gives us so many things. 
He, uh, he blesses us plentifully. Just like this rich man, he may have done a lot of work, but if God did not bless him, he's not going to have anything plentifully. So God, out of his grace, blessed him plentifully. And just like this man, so do we. When we're blessed with something, we always ask ourselves, what shall I do? What am I going to do because of this thing that I have found that God has given me? Right? So he said, well, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. He answered his question in Luke chapter 12, verse 18, by saying this, I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my goods, or my grain, and my goods. Did you guys see the first thing that he did wrong? The first thing that he did wrong was that he had the wrong ambition. He was driven by a selfish ambition to amass and to store for himself. Did you see like all the eyes and the personal pronouns there? It's all mine, I, my. That's what this that, that's why his ambition was wrong. It's selfish. It's all for his own good. And something that uh, this is this is uh, this is dangerous because God has given us something to strive for, and it's not selfish ambition. It is way more than that, because our souls are destined for more than things. In First Timothy six verse nine. Uh, we are told uh, by the Apostle Paul, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. So some of us would be, could be saying, you know what, Jay? This is not my problem. I'm not like the rich fool because I'm not rich. This guy is rich. I'm not rich. I don't have that windfall that he had. But I'm going to tell you, the desire to be rich afflicts not just people who are rich. It afflicts people who are also poor. You know, we've talked about this before. I think I've talked to you about this before. We talk about who's the rich people in this world. You know who the top 1% of rich people are in this world? If you make $40,000 a year, you're part of that 1%. If you make $30,000 a year, you're part of the 2.4% who are rich in the world. 80% of the people in this world live with about, with about $1 a day. 80% of them do. 80% of this world is poor. But it doesn't matter if you're poor or if you're rich. Because materialism affects everyone. The desire to be rich affects everyone. And this verse tells us that those who desire to be rich are ripe to be tempted and to fall into a trap. What trap is that? That trap is to uh, be led into foolish and harmful situations that will lead us to be destroyed and lost. That's what happens. And then Paul tells Timothy in 6, verse 10, that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. We've heard that before. Not money itself, because money itself is not good or bad. 
But the love that we have for money is what will lead us to do all sorts of bad things. All kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. So the love of money is bad because of greed. Right? Greed. And this greed is going to keep us from our faith. It is going to move us away from the faith. And we are going to be pierced. We are going to put more stuff, more sorrows and more pain than we want in our lives. All because of our greed. That was, that's what happens when our ambitions are not put in the proper, uh, in, in the proper godly manner. If our ambitions are not for God... And if our ambitions are for this world, that is what happens. But what is the ambition that God has set in front of us? Well, he told us something about it. In Matthew six nineteen to 20, Jesus himself says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus tells us, this is what you need to strive for. This is the godly ambition that I want all of us to. All, all, all of you to pursue. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. He's telling us to use or to convert our earthly treasures into heavenly treasures. How do we do that? How do we do that? Well, we do that by making sure that we use our heavenly, our earthly treasures for God. Right? We make sure that our money serves us instead of the other way around. Did you guys get that? I'm going to say it again. We need to make sure that our money serves us instead of us serving our money. Okay? Um... This is, a, this is a really good uh, example of how we can do that. How do we let our money serve us instead of us serve our money? Well, look at Ephesians 4.28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So the question arises, why do we work? Yes, we need to provide for ourselves and for our families. But that's not the be-all and end-all of work. According to Paul, we work so that we can help people who are in need. Sometimes the things that we are going to discuss or we've been discussing this morning will be like a hit in the gut. Or something that we have never heard before because we have been so used to greed or covetousness or materialism being honored and, and, and justified in this world. But God does not want us to go that way. That's not the type of clothing that He wants us to put on. He wants us to use whatever we have to serve Him. That is the whole idea. So, for the first thing that, we, uh, that we've seen this rich person did, uh, do in, in our story, he has a wrong ambition. We need to change our ambition to a godly ambition that ensures that we use our earthly treasures and convert them into heavenly treasures. That's what we need to do.
The second thing that I want to talk to you about is found in the next verse, in verse 19 of Luke 12. And I will say to my soul, this is the rich person talking here, the rich fool. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, and be merry. Do you guys see what he did next there? He has all these good things in his life. And then he told himself, soul, you have so many things that you can use from now until the end of your life. Relax. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be happy. The next thing that he did that we need to really be aware of about ourselves is that he had the wrong attitude about his stuff. He thought that his stuff was all he needed to be secure and safe in this world. Because he said to himself, soul. He didn't even think about his own body. He thought it was good for his soul. He thought that's what his soul needed to feed. But it's not. He had this strong attitude about his security and safety. He put it all on things. He's not supposed to do that. Our security and our safety and our salvation lies only and squarely on Jesus, on God. Not on things. Not on things. And this is a really bad thing to really have. This is a really bad attitude to have as we walk in this world. Why? Because if our focus is on things, our focus is to work so that I can save, so I can get, I can see my bank account go up, 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 and up, so that I can get this and I can get that, I can have an addition here to my house, an addition there to my house, so I can get this latest addition of this, and I can get the latest model of that. If our life is set to do that, then the spiritual things in life will not have any room in our minds and in our hearts. We are pushing it out and replacing it with things. Do you remember the story leading up to this parable? Do you, know, do, you, do you remember why Jesus saw it fit to tell the people around him to be careful of greed? Okay, remember Jesus. In Luke chapter 11, our text is Luke 12, right? In Luke 11, Jesus starts talking to the people around him, teaching them about letting your light shine. And then he said, be careful of the, the hypocrisy of the, of, of, the Jew, of, of, of the Jewish leaders. Don't be, don't be a hypocrite. And then he says, oh, uh, be, uh, uh, remember God, the Father. Uh, fear him in, in a healthy manner because uh, you fear him in a healthy manner because he is the one who is able to kill both your body and the one thing that is most important in your life, your soul. Don't fear, man. Fear God. And then he says, also, finally, uh, remember your faith in me. You need to proclaim that to people. Do not be ashamed of me in front of people. And then all of a sudden, there's this guy. Master, master. Right? Hold on. You know what he said? He had, it, what he said had nothing to do with what Jesus was talking about. This is what he said. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. He was, Jesus was talking about all these good things, about his kingdom, about faith, about spiritual things. And this guy, all he had in his mind is money. And the stuff that Jesus was talking about was not going in. 
Because all he was thinking about, he was sitting there, right? The sermon is being preached. All of us thinking about it. What am I going to do after this? Right? How's my bank account doing? When am I going to take the, others, the next shift so I can get more money? And he says, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. Because back then, in Jesus' time, the older brother got a double share of the inheritance. So if there's only two of them, his brother himself, his brother would have gotten two-thirds of the inheritance. But he's telling Jesus, tell my brother to, do it, to make it half, uh, 50-50. Make it 50-50. Right? Not 66-33. But Jesus says, uh, uh, hold on. Who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And then he goes on to tell the story. He said to them, take care, listen to this, and be on your guard against some covetousness, not some, against all covetousness. Because in the story, the rich fool will probably be, uh, maybe he's greedy with grain. But some people would be greedy with a successful career, or a nice house, or a nice car, or a nice this and a nice that. Be on guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Wow. What a message to to take on. What a message to take on. But listen to this. The rich fool told himself, so you have so many good things laid out for so many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Now I I have a question for us. Do you think we do that? Do we think we're like that rich fool? Do we think we work hard and save up enough for a long time so that we can tell ourselves, Jay, you have so much stuff that you have already collected. Relax. Drink and be merry. Is that something we do in this society? Yeah. Unfortunately, that is what our view is on retirement. Now, don't get me wrong. Retirement is a good thing. It's a good thing. Because at some point, you're going to have to stop working, right? Your job. But the point that I'm making here is that we may retire from our jobs, but we don't retire from our being a Christian. We don't retire from Christianity. You know how many people I've known in my life who said, when I retire, I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go back and forth from this to that. Just pleasures for themselves. So that they can inherit or they can can enjoy the fruits of their labor. And you know what happens right after they retire? They fall ill. They get sick. They need to see a specialist. And they can't travel because the specialist that they like is at home. So they can't go on with their plans and they're stuck here. What happens then? What do we do? 
So I want to encourage all of us today, think about our retirement, but change your minds on how we view retirement. Just like the other, just like the other people in the, the people in the world. Think about it, because there's more to life than that. Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Remember, I was talking to you about that earlier. There's a danger that if we don't use what God has has entrusted to us for him we are going to end up serving our money instead of our money serving us how do we do that i'll I'll give you a little example and this is something that linda and i have really have really struggled to do but then learned to do in our life because sometimes our things you know we acquire them and we become slaves to them and this and what i'm going to tell you how not to be slaves on the th- of the things that you own. Okay? So before we buy something, you know what we do? We ask a series of questions. Before we buy something, we ask a question, what's the worst thing that can happen to that thing that we're about to buy? For example, buying a new car or a car, right? That car can be stolen. That car can be totaled. That car can, can be scratched. And, also, and that car can be dirty, you know, because we have kids. And then we ask ourselves a question. If the worst thing that can happen to this car happens, this is the question. Can I take that? Is it going to cause me to be overly depressed? Is it going to ruin my day if this car gets scratched? And if the answer is yes, you know what we will do? We will say to ourselves, let us not buy that car. Let's buy something that's used. Maybe a beater car or a used car and then get on with it. Because I don't want to be a slave of this car. I want this car to be a to be slave for me so I can use it for God. That is how we can make sure that our stuff does not rule over us. Instead, we should rule over it for the glory of God. Now, the last thing, uh, so wrong attitude. We need to change that and make it a godly attitude. The one that says, this is stuff is not given to me, but entrusted to me so I can serve God with it. That's the godly attitude that we need to have on things. Now, the third thing that this rich fool did is seen in what he said in Luke 12, verse 20, or what God said to him in Luke 12, verse 20. God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? God calls him fool. If God calls us fool, do you think we would snap to it? Do you think we would go, oh, no, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be, I don't want to be called fool by God. But you know what? Uh, but, but you know what? It, it's foolish because this man had the wrong assumption. He thought he was going to live forever. 
He thought because of the things, because the way that he patted himself in this life, he thought he was going to live forever. That was the false sense of security that things have in our lives. That we think, well, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that, and it's going to be good. But it's not. So I just want to encourage you today that Jesus says that if we do the same thing, we're also fools. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. If we do that, we're not, we, we, we are the same as him. Right? And I just want to tell you about, I know the, it's good to think about the future. It's great. But I pray that when we think about the future, God is always there. Our service to God needs to always be there. But when it comes to things, it's important to think about today. And you know, do you guys remember the, the model prayer? You know, our Father in heaven, holy be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, and earth is in heaven. And the line after that is so good that Jesus included it there. Because I think it's important that we remember that. He said, give us today our daily bread. Give us today the food that we need today. Jesus says, pray, pray like this. Pray, God, give us 20 years from now the food that I'm going to eat 20 years from now. No, he didn't say that. Give us today our daily bread. We need to really understand our need to, be rely, to rely on God. And again, when we think about our future, remember that. Because there is a balance that we need to keep. And we need to remember that in all this, that our service to God is primary. We don't need wrong assumptions. You know what we need? We need proper understanding. We need the proper understanding of what God wants us to do in our life today. But that is the lesson today. It has to do with our souls. A lot of times we undervalue our souls because we focus so much on things. But God understands the value of your soul. You know what? I thought about doing this, but I'm going to do it now. You've probably seen this before, but I'm going to do it now. What if... I have a piece of paper here in my hand. What if I offered you this piece of paper? Would you guys take it from me? You would take it from me, right? It's a piece of paper. You guys would take it. What if I folded it like this and like that, like this? I gave it to you. Would you guys still take it? Even though I've already folded it? You guys would still take it. Weird. Okay. What if I did this? If I gave it to you, would you take it still? You guys will, right? You guys are weird. Why? It's already crumpled. What if I put it on the side? Hey, there's a piece. Would you take that? You guys would, right? What if I did this? Crumpled it again. And I did that. Would you guys still take it? You will. Why? Because you know the value of this piece of paper. You know it's $20. And you know what $20 buys. So it doesn't matter if it's folded or crumpled or set aside. You know that this is valuable. You are valuable. I am valuable. 
But the message today is this. Do not undervalue yourselves by thinking that your worth is in accordance with the stuff that you own. Don't. Our value is rested in Him. The work that He has purposed for us to do. So today, as we stand and sing the song of invitation, I want us to think about that and pray to Him, all to Jesus, I surrender. Because our souls are good for that. Let's, go, let, let, let's, let's stand and sing.